Good morning to each of you, and we're glad that, that you're here, and we hope that our study will be something that will be an encouragement to you. Um, as you may remember, we have been, in the last few weeks, uh, with the exception, I believe, of last week where we did a Father's Day lesson, I believe Danny did that, uh, and we were, Connie and I were out of town, uh, but previous to that, we had been looking at this uh, relationship wheel uh, that really outlines kind of puts the Christian life in some categories, more or less. And so, just looking at that briefly, we recognize that at the center of that wheel is Jesus Christ. And, you know, if you think about it, if you were to pull Jesus out of the wheel, what would happen to the rest of it? Well, it would be pointless. It would fall apart. There would be... Because we recognize that without Him, that we're lost, that... Just like you, I've committed sin, and because the wage of sin is death, that without Jesus, I would be condemned to no relationship with God forever. I would be separated from God, and that would just be the way it would be. So there would be really no point in any of these other things. But because of Jesus, because of His sacrifice, because of what He was willing to do, that we can have these things. And I want to begin... Uh, looking at ministry and just kind of work our way real quickly around the wheel. Uh, if you think about ministry, ministry is the things that, that we do as Christians in service to one another and to other people. And so we try to let our light so shine before men that they can see our good works. And this doesn't give glory to you or to me, but rather it brings glory to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Worship, we recognize that it's not just in the assembly, but it's any time and all times. It's about having the right attitude and recognizing how high God is and how low we are, and then responding appropriately to that difference in relationship. And so we want to we want to be part of ministry. We want to worship. We want to and we want to share it with other people. If if really we believe some, believe that we have something unique. Wouldn't you share it with somebody else? If you had a product that you were using that you thought was better than any other product, would you not go out and share that with your friends and neighbors? Well, that's the way it should be with Christianity also. That we have something that is unique, that is better than the Hindus, the Muslims, any other religion in the world that you can think of, Christianity is far superior because it provides an eternal relationship with our Creator. And so we want to share that. And then finally we have fellowship. And fellowship is, is us coming together and building each other up. You know, I can, I can, I don't have, I can't see God. I can't see Jesus. But I can see you and I can have a relationship with you. And through my relationship with you, I can become closer to God. And so fellowship becomes important. And then finally, that leads us to growth. And I would suggest to you that growth is really just the outcome, what really happens when you've got all these other things in place. That if you're doing all these other things and you continue in them, then growth is a natural occurrence. Your your faith is going to grow. Your spirituality is going to grow. You're going to feel closer to God. You're going to feel closer to other Christians. You're going to want to do more. You're going to want to share more. So all of these things work together uh, for the kind of relationship that we should have. And then if you if you want to take growth one more step, think about that, think about that as you grow, as you get stronger as a Christian, doesn't that make this congregation stronger? 
And then if this congregation is stronger, doesn't this church become a bigger light for Jesus Christ in the greater community of Denton? And so that's what we want to look at briefly this morning. I think it's a pretty simple, a pretty obvious topic, but I hope it's one that we will, we will take to heart and we will apply in a way that, that we will, well, grow. You think about the natural course of things as we're children, and as it would be an odd thing, wouldn't it, that if a child were born, that they just never grew. They just stayed where they were. I've worked in the school business for some 34 years, and I'll tell you that when we have kids that enter into kindergarten, and they don't begin to show growth pretty quick, we begin to throw the kitchen sink at it. We begin to identify what are the issues, and we involve, we're in this process that's called RTI. It means response to intervention. And we have meetings, and then we conclude, okay, we're going to try this, this, and this, and we're going to try it for a period of, of this many times per week for six weeks, and then we're going to come back together, and we're going to see if we're making any progress. And we'll, then we'll see, okay, is, did that do it? Well, if it didn't do it, all right, let's go to the next step. So we're constantly looking at, are we growing are we, are we taking that child and moving them to where they need to be? doesn't just happen at kindergarten. It happens in high school as well. Because kids, if you naturally involve somebody in an environment that is designed for their growth and they don't respond to that in growth, then that's kind of a head-scratcher. There's something that's wrong, and so it needs to be identified and corrected. Well, the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 4, and he said some things here, and he says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. In other words, to give us the tools that we need to be effective soldiers for Christ, to be Christians, to equip us with what we need. For the edifying of the body. That means to build it up. That, that means that when we come together, we, we make each other stronger by our relationship with each other. And, and these offices were put in the church, or these, these people or these, these skills were put in the church that the body would grow and be able to edify and encourage itself. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, that is a mature person, not perfect from the standpoint of you never make a mistake or you never sin, but that you become mature. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, if you think about that last statement there, that, that Jesus Christ becomes the standard for each of us. And if you think about how tall He stands, we recognize that we've all got something to do. We've all got some room to grow. You know, the Apostle Paul was a great Christian. But in Ephesians chapter 3, he made the comment that he said that, I, I, don't, I don't count that I've obtained anything. I, I haven't apprehended it yet. I haven't got there yet. He said, but this one thing I do, I press toward the mark. Now, this is the Apostle Paul. And if the Apostle Paul didn't think that he was there, how about you and I? So there's room for us to grow. There's room for us to improve. And if we ever get to the point where we think that, you know, we just can't get any better, this is as far as we're going to go, then one thing's for sure, we're right. We're not going to grow. Because we've made our mind up that that's as far as we can go. But I believe that the Apostle calls on us 
to continue to try to improve, no matter what stage of life that we're in as Christians. He goes on with this passage and he says that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into Him, that is Christ, uh, who is the head, Christ. So it's talking about us growing up and continuing to mature and begin to try to emulate Him and to not be children, to not continue to be where we are, but to progress. Think about that baby. And think about that baby after a while. What would happen if you uh, took the milk away and that baby was uh, soon hungry for milk? Well, it would cry for that milk, wouldn't it? It would want it back. And, and it would let you know about it until it got its milk. So here's what Peter says in, in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 2. He says that we as newborn babes, should desire the pure milk of the Word that we can grow that thereby. I want you to think about the importance of just desire. Desire, in terms of growth, there's probably no more important thing than just sheer wanting to improve. You know, it's important to have some ideas and have some plans and any skill that you try to try to involve yourself in, you certainly need some kind of a strategy. But you know, whatever you do, if you don't really care if you get better at it, then are you going to get better at it? Years ago, I played some golf and I finally got to the point where I realized that um, it was bringing more, me more aggravation than it was happiness. And I was paying for that aggravation and so I thought, I can be miserable doing something else. But... People that are good golfers, like Zach's a good golfer, he likes golf. So if you're good at that, you're going to have to practice that, but you're also going to have to have a desire to improve. In other words, if you go out and shoot 80 one time, that's great. But you don't want to shoot 80 next week, you want to shoot 75 next week. And if you shoot 75 next week, you want to shoot 73 the next week. You want to keep improving. And and there's nothing more important than that than desire. That baby has great desire for that milk. And that if we have that same desire for the Lord's Word, then we're going to grow. We're going to become wiser in that Word. Peter also says this. He says we're to grow in the grace. And I, I thought about that as, you know, grace is the unmerited favor. And we're talking about the unmerited favor of God. Well, How can we grow in grace? Well, what Barnes says about this is that Peter is saying that we should grow in the in true practice of the religion. That's what he says about it. That he says grow in grace or true practice of the religion and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. What do you think about that elephant? How long is he going to stay there? One thing's pretty sure to me is that wherever we are in the Christian journey, the impossible thing is to stay where we are. That elephant's not going to stay there very long. I'm guessing that's probably not real, but 
but you're, you get my point, is that you're, wherever you are in life or wherever you are in your Christian walk, you're not going to stay there. You're either going to become stronger, you're either going to grow, or you're going to get weaker. A year from now, you'll be closer to the Lord, more knowledgeable about His Word, more active about His business, or you'll be less. My guess is there are very few of us, if any, that will be at the exact same place of spirituality. To maintain where you are is virtually impossible. I coached a lot of sports teams over the years. I coached boys basketball for 20, head basketball coach for 25 years. And uh, I can tell you that that process was always one of we get a little bit better, we get a little bit worse. We get a little bit better, we get a little bit worse. And so your cost, a team, a team today is not the same team in three months. And you won't be the same Christian this time next year as you are today, is my guess. Is you're, you'll either get stronger or you'll get farther from the Lord. And so we've got to constantly seek to do what Peter says here, that we're supposed to grow. Well, what if we're mature Christians? Are we perfect? Paul said he wasn't. He said, I haven't got there yet, so I've got to keep working. And that's, that should be our attitude. We should have that same desire. The amazing thing is we're dealing with a God that is the ultimate experience designer. He's the ultimate experience designer. Let's look at this passage. And it says in Romans 8, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose, for whom He did foreknew, He also predestinated to be conformed to the image of His Son. If you think about the events in life, whether they're good events, whether they're bad events, they're designed to help you grow as a Christian. You see, He didn't just give us His Word and tell us what to do. He put us through a barrage of experiences, both negative and positive, that we can test that faith and we can examine how we've handled those situations. We can learn from that and we can continue to improve upon it. So, that's what He's asking us to do. Is that He's got that, He's set us up in a way that He's created the right soil, the right environment for us to grow in. And so, if we're not growing... It's because we're not, we don't have the desire that we need and we're not, we're not moving forward as we need to move. So I've got some things here that just real quickly that are pretty obvious. I'm calling them antecedents to growth. That means they're supposed to take place before the growth. But the more I got to thinking about that is they're not only going to take place before the growth, they're going to take place during the growth and after the growth and during the next round of growth and so forth. Fellowship, we already talked about that. But it says in Hebrews chapter 10 that we're not supposed to forsake the assembling ourselves together. But we're supposed to encourage one another. The apostle thought it was important that we be together. That we be able to encourage one another. That we talk to God. That we pray. That we spend some time asking... Think about the person who never prays are you saying to God that you really don't need Him? That, that uh, oh, I don't need anything. I, he, he'll, 
He's all right. I'm okay. I'm okay the way I am, and I don't really need His help. He desires for us to talk to Him, to tell Him the things that we have need of, to build a relationship with Him by communicating to Him the desires of our hearts, the fears that we face, the challenges that we face. He wants us to communicate that to Him. So if we don't ever talk to Him, what does that say about our desire to grow? And then next, since we're going to talk to Him, we need to listen to Him. And we listen to Him through His Word. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, I think the attitude in this passage is important for us to have. He says, For this reason we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the Word of God which you heard of us, you welcomed it not as the Word of men, but as it is in truth the Word of God. You know, there's a lot of people, religious people in the world today that would, would tell you that the, uh, the Scriptures are merely the opinions of these men that followed Christ. And so they wrote what they thought and what they believed. I believe that the Scriptures were divinely given by the Holy Spirit. And if the, if the Scriptures were not divinely given by the Holy Spirit... I'm not sure we can trust them any more than we can trust the opinion of me or Yancey or Michael or anybody else in here. But because these, these, the Word is the Word of truth that was given by God Himself through these men, we ought to have a different attitude about that than we do other things that we read or hear. And then finally, and this is the hard one, and yet the most important step, It takes more than just hearing the Word and learning the Word. It's more than just an academic exercise. In James chapter 1, he says, But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. Being a doer of the work. To actually do what you're told to do. And and that that creates this... this, um, this process of reflection where I look at the Word and I examine my life through the Word and I recognize where I'm short and then when I go out in the world, I try to remember that and I apply it. And I think that's, that's so important that we're reflective enough and honest enough with ourselves that we realize where we're short and where we're not, not doing everything that we could. And it's always, isn't it always tempting to um, make excuses and put the word in our own light, so that we can we can say, well, we self-justify yourself and say, I've, I I did that because, and it may not be exactly what the word said, but I had a good reason for it, and so therefore it doesn't apply to me or doesn't apply here. So being able to, to be honest with oneself, to be reflective about your life and what you're doing and where you're weak, incredibly important in growing. So again, we've said that it's pretty much a, a natural process, growth is. So what would get in the way of that? Well, first of all, if you took out any of those things that I've called antecedents to growth, you take those out, then you, you may not grow. If you, do, if you don't have a strong prayer life, might not grow. If you're not immersing yourself in God's Word and trying to learn from that, 
might not grow. If you're not spending time in fellowship, it might be harder to grow. If you're not applying the Word, same thing. So the absence of those things. Then the next thing would be discord amongst the brethren, that people just can't get along. And so if we as a congregation stopped encouraging one another, stop becoming the kind of inspiration of one another, so that when you leave here on Monday, you go out on Sunday, and you go out in the world on Monday, and you, you, don't, you should feel like those people are fighting the same fight I am, and so I'm more encouraged to fight that fight today than I was before. That's, that's what should happen. And so discord undermines that process. And then most importantly is this one. Living a life of sin. You know, if you think about the body and its uh, natural tendency to grow, there's one thing that will undermine that though, isn't it? Disease. If you have a disease, it's harder to get better. It's, it's, it's harder to function properly. And so disease, sin is disease of the soul. And it will undermine your effort. If There are people that are holding on to sins, and you're holding on to that sin, and that sin is keeping you from having the kind of relationship you should have with God. And you, you, you want to grow, you want to do better, but yet you're holding on to this sin. Well, you're not going to grow. Romans 6 says it this way, What then? Shall we, shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? Paul says certainly not. Do you not know to whom you present yourself slaves to obey? You are that one slave to whom you obey, whether it's of sin leading to death or obedience leading to righteousness. Meaning, you could come in here and you could attend every service. And you could have Christian friends all over the world. But if we walk back out those doors and we go back to serving sin rather than serving righteousness, then who, according to this verse right here, whose, whose slaves are we? Well, we'd be the slaves of, 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 of sin that leads to death. So again, it calls for an application for the things that, uh, that, we're, that we read that we're supposed to do. Look at these things. I tried to pick things that you would have to do some type of applying to your life. You couldn't imagine teaching somebody to play basketball or football or ride a bike or work on a car or taekwondo. I did that for Jacob and then he's not here today. And, uh, or, or work a math problem without actually applying it, without actually doing it. You see, we couldn't sit in... When I coached my basketball teams, we didn't meet in a classroom and just talk about what we were going to do. We actually went out on the floor and we practiced the skills because it's, it's a matter of applying what you know. And so that's, the, that's, again, the challenging part for us as Christians is to take what we learn from God's Word, apply it to our lives... Recognize when we're off. Look into that spiritual mirror, which is God's Word, and improve and go back out and do it again. And continue that process. James says it this way. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. 
You believe that there's one God, you do well. Even the devils believe and tremble. But do you but do you know do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works, and by works faith was made perfect? So we have to go out and apply the word to our lives, activate our faith, put it into practice, and that's really what the rest of that wheel talks about. So real quickly, just in summarizing, this is this is the chart that looks at age and then and then fitness. And we we recognize that there are there are limits physically. There are, there are spots of maturity where, where people will max out. NFL football players max out at age, approximately age 30. Now, I'm 58. I'm probably not going to ever be in the NFL. I don't care how hard I try. I'm probably too old for that. It's just not going to happen. And so it wouldn't be realistic for me to set that as a goal. But I will tell you, even, even at my age, I can still improve. And so, although this shows that you're pretty much going to max out physically at the age of 30 on, on the anaerobic skills, that's the javelin shot put and short sprints, and then for the, for the longer things, the, the running stuff, you can, you last a little longer till you max out, but then eventually you begin to fall off there too. Well, what about, what about the brain? Well, the same is true. It's a little bit better for us older folk. But not a whole lot because you see that long-term memory, about 18 is about max and it begins to, to tail off after that. Short-term memory, we do a little bit better into our 40s. Uh, most Nobel Prize discoveries are made by age 40. Uh, and so you can see this, this little line here that shows uh, white brain matter, which I guess is is the stuff that helps us cognate to put ideas and thoughts together. And so, pretty obvious that we're not as smart in our 50s and 60s as we were um, back earlier, at least in terms of, of cognitive ability. Now, there's some, certainly some things that offset that, and we hope that we, we can show that here in a minute. But what about spiritually? And that's the thing I want you to think about is, certainly a young person has some advantages because of memory. If, if, uh, if there's a contest between uh, memorizing verses between me and a 20-year-old, I'm probably in trouble. I'm probably in trouble. They're probably going to have a better memory of those things than I am. But my point is that at, at every phase in the, the growth cycle, unlike physical and unlike mental, in spiritual you can still, you can still, you have advantages that can help you grow. So as an older person, well, we have more experiences. And so those experiences can help us be more honest about where we are in this process and apply those things in a way that's wiser. And so there's, at every phase in the cycle, there is a place for you to grow and to serve and to have fellowship and to do outreach and all those things 
that will help us be the kind of servants that, that God wants us to be. Jesus said, No one puts his hand to the plow, looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. The work of the Christian is to become more like Christ. That's your job. That's my job. Is to be more like Christ than we were last week, that we were last year. That's our job. And so, Jesus says that it doesn't... If, you're, if you put your hand to the plow, if you start down that, that path, and you look back and you decide, mm, not worth it, then not worthy of the kingdom of God. Let's plow ahead. Let's do what we can to serve the Lord while we're here. Let's take advantage of the age that we, we are and grow where we're planted. Do what we can to be faithful servants in the Lord's kingdom. I hope that I've said something this morning that's been of encouragement to you. Uh, I know it's a pretty simple subject, but I know that it's one that that I need to think about from time to time. And I'll be honest, there are some areas in my life that certainly need improvement. So I would encourage you to examine yourself. If we can assist you in any way this morning, then we would ask you to come forward as we're going to stand and sing the song that's been selected.